Broadcasting from the Bet MGM studio, it's time for Inside the Jets. Brought to you by EY, building a better world. Now, here's Bart Scott and Dan Grossa. And welcome into another edition of Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. I'm Dan Grossa, that's former New York Jets linebacker, Bart Scott and Inside the Jets is broadcast from the BetMGM studio. Place your football parlays, props, and futures bets at BetMGM Sports all season long. Bart, day after a 36-7 defeat against the Indianapolis Colts in a game where Jets had their chances. I mean, still down 17-7 at halftime, but self-inflicted wounds there. A couple of interceptions by Sam Darnold. One went the other way in the first half. Another went the other way, of course, in the second half. All in all, though, some things to clean up before the Broncos come calling on Thursday. Well, and the good part about playing on a short week when you have a disappointing performance, you're able to turn the pace because you have to. You know, usually you come in on Monday, you work out, you watch the film. I don't even know if it's anything to watch on this film. You may have a short film where you can watch some of the mistakes, but you you have to turn the pace because the opponent in preparation week is, is on you fast, and you have to try and do two things at once. And one thing is to heal up your body, get all your treatment so that you can be available. Secondly, try and get prepared mentally because this is more of a mental preparation. So even last week, you know, Gase and his staff has already worked on the game plan because you have to prepare for two, for two opponents in one week. So they already know and it's already had a, scouted the, the, the Denver Broncos and then you update on their injury report who's going to be available for the game. You try and devise a plan with it, but they've already kind of taken a peek and so it's going to be interesting, you know, when you think about Tuesday, Wednesday. Wednesday is the day where you got to report to the hotel. Right. And this is going to be a long week. And this is going to be the first of, you know, the, that night game type of preparation, which is totally different, trying to figure out how you eat, what time you get up, how much rest is adequate, and how much is too much. Because the last thing you want to do is sit around all day without moving around and then tell your body to get up and it's time to perform. So it's going to be interesting. And, this, and the Jets are going to learn something. And a lot of the rookies are going to learn about – what these Thursday night games in the end of the year, sometimes Saturday night games are all about and what the difference is. Because you have to have a plan individually for yourself for every type of situation like this. And there's an adjustment period, right? right. Creatures of habit, routine, that's yes. going to be altered here when you play a game on a Thursday night in a short week. And, of course, the players are figuring that out little by little here. But, you know, when you look at the state of the team right now, they're the only team in the NFL that hasn't had a lead yet this year. Yeah. I mean, they're 0-3, but, you know, they've had a rough go for the first three weeks. You can talk about the opposition all you want, and they have played some very good teams. But the facts are what the facts are here. You brought up the mental side of things. As a player, it's easy to probably get right back out there when things are going good, you're on top of the world, you're winning games. Yeah. Hey, give me the next one. Mm -hmm. But now, when you're still looking for that first win, when it's been a struggle so far the first three games, does a game on a short week help or hurt you in that sense? Well, it helps you because you should have the advantage. Now, typically, the, the advantages that the home team has, you know, in traditional times and, you know, outside of a pandemic, they would have because they don't have to have the traveling and also they have the crowd noise, and they're going to be able to understand that the team that you're facing is going to have a limited package. So usually what you see early on in the game is what you're going to get a heavy dose of, whether you're on offense and you're going to, you know, you're going to see the type of defensive packages that they have for you. Whether you're on defense, you're going to see like the personnel packages in which they decide to play with. You understand that they're going to have guys that they may want to rest as well. So you have to try and take advantage. What you really want to do when you're on a short week, turn the page, prepare, but understand 
that you're going to have to get out to a fast start because if you blitz a team that's traveling halfway across the world, that's, you know, uh, the world, right. the United States, but, you know, coming from different time zones, the advantage should be to you because they're going to have to adjust on a short week. They're probably going to have to fly out a day early, so they may leave Tuesday night to get here on Wednesday so they can just try and get used and acclimated to the time change and the time difference. Everybody does it a little different because if you, if you fly in on Wednesday, you may be tired by the time and, and your body's trying to adjust to what you're doing. So it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, the Jets can come out and really have an opportunity because this is an opponent that you should beat. It's a winnable game. It's a very winnable game. They're and beat up as well. Right, so it's really no excuses. So you should say, you know what, we need to take our frustration out on somebody. And the good thing is because it's on a short week, you get an opportunity. Whenever you get an opportunity to be the show, whether it's Monday night football, Thursday night football, or Sunday night football, you should take advantage of that because this is your opportunity to show the world what you're made of. And the last thing you want to do is to fall short or come up small on, on a big platform or big stage like this. And this is a big stage. This is when the nation is going to be watching. It's the only game in town. It's the only game in town. This is an opportunity for them to say, you know what, I am. You know, this is time for guys like Marcus May to introduce themselves. Like, hey, I'm a player. Listen, I understand our record may not reflect that we, we have good players, but, man, you should come out and you put your play inspired because you are what your record says, but you also are what you put on tape. You can't say you're a ferocious player, you're a baller, you're a guy that's going to, you know, should be, you know, looked upon as you know, one of the upper echelon position players. This is your opportunity to put it on film and show the world all at the same time. Absolutely. And there's a lot to prove, certainly, when you look at the way the team has played the first three weeks of the season. Case in point, wide receiver Chris Hogan has been asked to do a lot, certainly, in the first few weeks of the 2020 season. And he caught up with our team reporter, Ethan Greenberg, following the loss to the Colts. Here with Jets wide receiver Chris Hogan. Chris, from your vantage point, what do you think went wrong for the offense today? Surprised? Um, I mean... Just not enough positive plays. You know, we had a, a lot of good things going. Um, we had long drives. I mean, we had that long 14-play drive. Um, and then it was just kind of, you know, one bad play here or there, penalty here, behind the sticks, you know, negative plays. Um, you know, just not enough good plays. Uh, so I think the, the biggest thing for us is that it's just got to be that consistency. You know, we got to be able to – sustain those long drives like like we did for the first score and you know not hurt ourselves with penalties or uh negative plays and you know we have a lot of good players on this team and we just need to find a way to keep getting positive plays um and keep working hard because if we can do that we move the ball effectively um take care of the ball and you know we'll put ourselves in better positions to win football games what would you describe of your first scoring drive that went well that you guys didn't continue to do throughout the rest of the game? I mean, the first the first scoring drive was good. You know, we had a couple of, um, you know, Sam made some really good plays. I mean, he scrambled, you know, lowered his shoulder on a first down. Um, you know, Braxton, had, you know, made the touchdown catch on, on another scramble. So guys were, you know, working hard to get open. Um, you know, and then from there, you know, just kind of, you know, we just little things here and there, you know, we would have a good play and then, you know, a not so good play or, you know, we had a penalty. So, and all of those things just kill drives. Um, so I think the, the biggest thing for us is just the consistency, you know, we just got to be able to, you know, hold all our, uh, every single person on the field accountable to knowing what we're doing and, 
um, you know, going out there, doing your job, not trying to do anything crazy, you know, having to do other people's jobs or, or, you know, the wrong thing on the field and, you know, just get back to work. And, you know, we have a short week here, um, you know, getting ready for Denver. We got to turn the page and we got to turn the page quickly and we got to find a way to get better. So two part question to wrap things up. How do you turn the page quickly and look ahead to a Thursday night football game against Denver? And then where do you start building consistency and how do you start going about building consistency? I mean, the page is turned. You know, can't, I mean, we can sit here and talk about Indy all we want, but we play a football game in, you know, four days, you know, so when we get home, um, we can make some corrections, but, re you know, the reality is, is that we have to start prepping and we got to get, you know, we got to prep fast and we got to get people healthy. Uh, we got to get people recovered. I think that's, a, you know, one of the biggest challenges of playing a Thursday night game is just getting guys, you know, recovered from a Sunday, you know, people can be banged up, you know, whatever it is. And just study, you know, study the game plan, you know, be on the same page. Everyone be on the same page when we go out there on the field and just that consistency, you know, just keep working as hard as we can so that when we go out there, you know, we're able to execute. And that's really what it comes down to, you know, executing every single play that we make on, that we have on offense and just trying to make it a positive play. Awesome, Chris. Appreciate the time. Yep. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Ethan, and thanks a lot, Chris. Now, you speak of the wide receivers, second straight game for Braxton Berrios, who's really been a big contributor for this team here in the first three weeks. Touchdown last week on a broken play, Sam Darnold evading the rush outside the pocket, found Berrios for a touchdown. Same thing again yesterday in Indianapolis here. And that's one of the things that Sam does very well, you know, the jailbreak type plays. Right. And a good job by the receiver recognizing, hey, my quarterback is in trouble. Let me go help him out. Those two have developed a nice little rapport here so far in the early part of the season. Yeah, and it's a breath of fresh air. It's good to see. You can tell that they're working and they're putting the work in and they're talking about these off-schedule plays because you, you understand that, you know, most teams have scramble rules. And usually the scramble rules are once you see your quarterback in duress, you come to him, you get into his sight. And if you get to a site and you run to the sideline, you run out of space, you turn up. So, you know, we, we've seen that happen a, a little while, and we understand that it's going to be scramble rules. We all think that, you know, you design a play, you step back, and it works out that way. But that's, that, that rarely happens or it doesn't happen as often as not, you know, other than, you know, early, early, you know, penetration inside. Right. Sam really showed his mobility and his, his pocket presence. And I feel like he's more comfortable throwing on a run because I think it takes the thinking out. Sometimes when young quarterbacks drop back in the, in the back of the pocket, they go through their progressions, it's tough for them to kind of come back, right? It's usually one, two, check, where's my check down? But when Sam gets out of the pocket, I feel like all the thinking goes away and he turns to basically his instincts. And he's very accurate on the run, throwing these off-schedule, odd, odd angle type of passes. And they try to, to, to manufacture some of those yesterday with a lot of boots and throwbacks they had a we call it the old shoot screen they had an attempt on it but you know leonard did a great job and just knocking the ball down he's a good player but it, but it was an attempt at a at a you know we used to fall down yeah but then guys start stepping on your fingers <laughs> we like start stepping breaking stuff so now you kind of just block 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 but understand that you know he's a he's a premier player probably top 10 linebacker in his league and he made a great play but it's not that they didn't try and design some easy shots down the field. It just didn't uh, materialize into production. Because I was going to say about Berrios, though, that now primarily he's a slot guy, and yep. he was always blocked, at least on this team, because of Jamison Crowder. And Jamison Crowder, you know, arguably your best wide receiver, period. And while he's out of the lineup, though, it's given Berrios an opportunity. What happens then when Crowder comes back? And you hope he's back here sooner rather than later, but slot guy, slot guy. Yeah. 
formation-wise, how are we going to get them both on the field? Well, so many different things you can do. I mean, the, the last – what I haven't seen yet is the old-school bunch packages and mm -hmm. things like that where you basically have two guys off the line of scrimmage. But, you know, you can get creative. You know, you get your best players on the field, and right now he's one of your most productive receivers, so you want to get him on the field. But what makes – you know, you want to utilize his quickness, and same with Crowder, right? You always want to get them off the line of scrimmage so guys can't jam them so they can, you know, use that short area quickness. Well, there's different ways you can do it. You know, depending on, you know, what you have, you know, Sam has to take control of it, but you can put him in those snug, you know, formations. And what happens is you figure out if they're in man or zone. If you figure out they're in zone, then you can do things like put the tight ends at the number one receiver spot and then put the put both guys inside off the ball at the slot. And then what happens is you get them matched up against linebackers. If you recognize that it's man, then you understand that you know, no matter what, they're going to travel. So now you go to a snug position and it gets him off the ball. And now he can have those what we call option releases. Because if you have the tight ends on a point and you have him off the ball, then pretty much it's a pick play because when it, whenever the, the, the tight end goes up the field, he can either come underneath or he can release wide, but you can't get your hands on him because he's protected. So when you realize you have a, a receiver with a unique skill set, you want to help him out by you know, allowing him to get off with a free release and use his short area quickness because I don't know about his long speed. His quickness and, and his strength and Crowder's as well is being able to make people miss in a phone book. And the funny thing is, too, is like you think once you get some of these healthy bodies back, right, that other teams are going to have to contend it's, with. You it's think, so hard, yeah. Right? It would free other guys up to make some plays, but, you know, the Jets are operating less than 100% right now, and that's why you hope you get these guys back in the lineup here sooner rather than just later. just need bodies. Just need some bodies, and that'll happen here. And, look, it's a war of attrition, a full NFL season here. Let's get a little bit more, though, on the Sunday's game against the Indianapolis Colts. Let's check in with our senior reporter, Eric Allen, and former New York Jets tight end Anthony Becht. Welcome to the Jets two-minute drill game recap. Eric Allen inside the BetMGM studio joined as always by Anthony Becht. It doesn't look like it by the final score but the Jets had chances in this one early but it got away from them in the second half and they fall to 0-3 with a 36-7 defeat to the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, they did. Uh, you know, the pick six to start the game by Sam. Obviously, it was a great play by the cornerback for, for the Colts. In that situation, to go down that quickly, uh, you know, you get the ball back, though, and you bounce back. You put a nice drive together, and you're able to, you know, you know match what you did. And that was promising. But uh, as the game went on, I think from, from a standpoint of stopping the Colts, they didn't do anything from an explosive play standpoint, but the Jets weren't able to neutralize them in really any aspect of, the, of, of, of their offense. So the run game was was steady, but balanced for them. And then from the pass game, Philip Rivers was able to kind of catch fire early on, move the ball effectively. The game was still intact, obviously, Eric, but then a second interception for a pick six kind of sealed the fate for the Jets. But again, those moments being able to kind of get yourself in a situation. And unfortunately for Sam's perspective as a quarterback, you know, you get the praise when you do, do everything great on wins. And unfortunately, in those two pick sixes, he's going to want to take back. But two really excellent defensive plays by the Colts to kind of lure him into those situations and make big plays on him. So how do we fairly evaluate Sam Darnold right now? Yeah, you know, you can't really get uh, a, a view of him the way you want. I, I think, that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of good to embrace over his career. And then as you look at this game, and you talk about the weapons and the guys that are there, I think initially, as you configured a, a game plan for this game, 
you're going a little bit against of what you would normally do. You're, you're, you're trying to work around pieces that aren't there, uh, pieces that are new, pieces you don't have work with. So again, you, you got to kind of fragment what, how you look at Sam in these situations. Unfortunately for the Jets, they're trying to win a football game. And in that moment, it doesn't look great. But I think in the big picture, you know, with all the injuries and the guys that are down and who's up and who's not. And then, of course, moving forward now with some new injuries, it is a real tough evaluation of Sam. I do feel bad for him. It's it's an unprecedented situation for the quarterback. He's doing his best. He's pressing as hard as he can, you know, trying not to make mistakes, but yet make some big plays for this team. And we see some great ones. I mean, on the move two weeks in a row now, some really great throws. Uh, to, to put up some points for the Jets. But unfortunately, to get through four quarters with the limitations that he has, it's a really tough evaluation for Sam. What about defensively? In the first half, they were relatively stout against the run, but Phillip Rivers uh, kept on connecting through the air. Yeah, you know, a couple big runs early on, six, seven, 10, 12-yard runs that I thought were just, uh, you know, a little unprecedented as far as the way the Jets like to play defense against that. Uh, and then, of course, for Phillip Rivers, to me, the key was getting some pressure, get some hits on him and find ways to disrupt him. And to be honest, in this football game, at least through the first half, really untouched. Uh, you know, they tried to bring some four down pressure. There were a few blitzes off the edge. They did a corner cat on both sides and he got the ball out in time before the blitz got to him and he made a play. So, again, you have to be strategic in your blitzes, of course, because he can carve you up. He's got 60,000 yards passing for a reason. But at the same token, you have to find ways to hit a quarterback that has no real mobility at all, and the Jets weren't able to do that. As always, we appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks a lot, guys. Still a lot more to come here on Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Welcome back to Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Dan Grasso alongside Bart Scott and Inside the Jets is also supported by Selective Insurance, be uniquely insured. It's time now, Bart, to check in with one of our favorites, of course. He is the radio analyst for the New York Jets. I get to talk to him each and every game day, which is a thrill. Now we get to talk to him again. It's our pal, Marty Lyons. Marty, it's Dan and Bart. Good to hear from you. How are you? How are you guys doing? Uh, Marty, do you have eligibility left? You know what, Bart? I, I'm using Velcro to tie my shoes. I don't think I can help it. <laughs> well, it's hard to bend over. Well, you know, the Jets take a tough one, you know, yesterday. And, you know, you've been here before. What what, what would you do if you were in this, in this locker room? How do you rally the troops? Because on a short week, on a national stage, it's a recipe where you can get embarrassed from a team that you should be able to beat because they're coming in limping just like you are. Well, right now at 0-3, I think all the players have to look at themselves in the mirror and realize that every one of them can play better. Uh, the team deserves it, the coaching staff deserves it, and the fans deserve it. And before you can start grabbing somebody else and telling them what they have to do, you know, Bart, you have to take responsibility for your own actions. You have to go out there and play better. You have to execute better. Put yourself in a position to come up with the big plays and Unfortunately, after three weeks, I don't know if there's a player in there that can actually say, I gave 100% in all three games. When you look at the play of the offense here, Marty, certainly they're missing a lot of pieces. You know, you have a patchwork group of wide receivers that Sam Darnold is trying to get acquainted with here on the fly. Yesterday, he made the mistakes with the few interceptions. Two of them went back the other way. 
When you look at Sam's performance, is it a case of him maybe trying to do a little too much, or do you think that they were just miscues that need to be cleaned up? I think it's a combination of both. I think that you're not, you don't have enough practice time to get familiar with a new player coming from the practice squad up to a starting position. I think that's number one. And number two, I think Sam is such a competitor, he's trying to force it sometimes rather than just allowing it to happen. He wants to show everybody, he wants to show his teammates that he's a leader. And sometimes you try to force something that's not really there. And as a result, you paid for it twice yesterday with pick six. Now, the defense have been missing tackles. You saw McDougal in the hole, you know, kind of throw the flipper, not really come to balance and try and take on the running back. You know, with the limited practice time that they have, with, you know, the physicality that you're even allowed to have during practice, you know, it's week four. The pass should be set now. What's the fine balance that you have to navigate with, you know, with the fact that you can't really risk hurting, getting somebody hurt in practice because you've lost so many bodies? Yeah, but you know, Bart, you know, tackling is an attitude. You've got to have it. If you can't tackle, you know, Monday through Saturday, you should be ready to tackle on Sunday. It's all in your head. You've got to put yourself in the best position to come up with a play. And when you can deliver a tackle, you got to make sure that the opposing runner or the opposing receiver, he feels it. And he goes, wow, man, that was a good tackle right there. It's all in the attitude of getting ready to play. Uh, I saw a double corner blitz and, you know, they got exposed. It got picked up. You know, in a season like this where you don't really have the, the players that you expected to have at these positions, whether it's C.J. Mosley, whether it's Jamal Adams, or whether it's, you know, any of your elite players that you had on your side of the ball, should you maybe – should Greg Williams maybe consider scaling back and just playing the bend-don't-break defense and try and make teams have to matriculate the ball down the field slowly and, you know and hope what, that they Ford, make I mistakes? That, I think there's some truth to that. I think if you simplify – your defense or you simplify your offense you know you always don't have to hit the home run on the offensive side of the ball you can dink and dunk and try to pick up first downs big thing is you've got to pick up a chunk of real estate on first downs you can't find yourself in a third and nine you can't find yourself in a second and eight and then get a penalty and you hurt yourself you know i i think that these players they i, I don't want to ever question a player's uh effort I think that they're all out there trying to do their best. But I think that it's just human nature. When something goes bad, as a player, as a fan, you go, oh, my God, here we go again. And they've got to get rid of that attitude. Oh, my God, here we go again. Talking with Marty Lyons here on Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. In the case, you know, I brought this up earlier with Bart here, Marty. You know, being a former player, okay, you're 0-3. You haven't gotten off to the start that you would have envisioned at the beginning of the season. A short week with a game rolling around on Thursday night, is that a positive for you when you're struggling? I mean, it's easy when things are going great. You play anybody anytime. But, you know, the fact that you're in a little bit of a rut right now, is the short turnaround good for you, you think? Well... It is if you win. If you don't <laughs> win, then you, you know what? You have a, a longer time, a longer wait period before you can get back out on the field. You know, you look at Denver. Denver had a tough game down there against Tampa Bay. They're 0-3. They're beat up. Everybody has excuses. But you can have all the excuses you want, Dan, but you shouldn't have uh, an excuse 
for not executing the game plan, for not going out there with great effort and without, you know, walking away saying, hey, you know what? I left it all out there on the field today. You could leave it all out there on the field and still not win, but you feel a little bit better about yourself. And I think right now after three games, I don't know if anybody in that locker room feels good about themselves and they have an opportunity on Thursday to change that feeling. Have we identified who are the leaders both vocally and also, you know, you know, performance-wise on this team? Or are this te- is this a young team that's still trying to develop their leaders? Well, I think the leader is Steve McClendon, and I think he's a vocal leader in the locker room. He's not just a leader on the off, uh, defensive side of the ball. I think he's a leader for the organization and the offensive side of the ball. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, you know, you, you'd want your quarterback to be the leader. You'd want him to be that vocal guy that stands up and tells everybody, hey, this is unacceptable. But I don't know if that's Sam's role right now. Uh, so that is a good question, Bart. And, you know, you don't have to be a vocal leader all the time. You can go out there and let your actions play. You know, when I was coming in the league, I used to sit there and I'd watch Greg Buttle and I'd watch Joe Klecko and they'd get up and they would give us the old rah-rah and you know what, we would take that energy from the locker room right out into the field. And I remember as a rookie just sitting there not saying anything. And then all of a sudden, I don't know when it happened or how it happened, but all of a sudden I found myself up there doing the same thing. So the torch was passed. And I don't know who passed the torch to anybody. I just know Steve McClendon is a stand-up guy and I think that he said it right after the game. You can either fight together as a team, or if you don't want to fight, just lay down and go your separate ways. Boy, Marty, I'm surprised. You know, Greg Buttle having a lot to say. I never would have believed that one, you know, whether it's now, whether it's during his playing days. I'm shocked by yeah. that one, of course. I tell you what, the thing about Greg was, you know, he was, he was a smart player. And as, as I wrote in the book, you know, I can remember uh, Joe Gardy sickling in a defense. And Greg getting in an argument from the huddle to the sideline, yelling back to him, hey, it didn't work last time. Why are we calling it again? It didn't work. And Greg would change it. And nine out of ten times when he changed it, it worked. The one time it didn't work, you know, he'd come up to the rest of us and say, hey, make sure you have my back. And we had his back. But uh, sometimes you get a better feel for the game being in the huddle, being in that you know, constant play every time. I don't believe in rotating, you know, the linemen all the time. Even yesterday, I thought Quinnen Williams, he started off the game real strong, had some uh, back-to-back plays where he was actually taking care of Quentin Nelson, who's an all-pro guard. But then the next series, he was rotated out. And you kind of say, well, now, wait a minute. You know what? Let me get into the tempo of the game. And I don't know how you feel about it, Bart, but – I never wanted to come off the field. 33 you know, snaps for Quentin in that game yesterday. If I was good enough to play on first down and good enough to play on second down, then I should have an opportunity to be a pass rusher on third down. Because I, if I wasn't on third down, you're still going to put me back in there on fourth and short or a goal line situation. Well, you know, as linebackers never want to come out. But you, you brought up your book, and I wanted to touch on that. You know, how can we get the book, and how was it, you know, kind of writing out your life's work and your vision and, and your mission statement for your charity? How does everybody listening here go out and support and go get this book? Because we're trying to well, make the big it thing the best seller. You know what, Bart? If they go, if they go to the MartinLionsFoundation.org, uh, they can order a book. I'll personally sign it and send it back 
I got approached a, a few years ago about writing a book about being with the Jets for so long, and now it's 42 years, you know, as a player. And then I hosted their TV show, and then, of course, 19 years doing the games with Bob was choosing. And I told the people, I said, you know what? Um, first of all, I'm not going to write any dirt because normally if you throw dirt at somebody else in the locker room, it always comes back to hit you on the feet. And I said, you know what? I'm 62 years old. I don't want to do that. What I wanted to do was have a crossover book. And the foundation, we're celebrating 38 years of working with terminally ill children. And I thought it would be important for the readers not just to identify with myself or identify with people like yourself that goes out and try to make the community a little bit better. We're more than just football players. So I wanted them to have a bird's eye view of what it's like to be a parent of a child that's terminally ill what it's like to be in, a, in the intensive care unit where the doctor says, hey, there's nothing more we can do and your child is six years old and he's on life support. And the families look at me and say, Marty, what should we do? And you have to make a decision, not, you know, like you're playing God, you're making the decision on what's best for that child. And it really, it changes the way you look at life changes the way that you approach life. And I think it gives you a better understanding that no matter what you do in life, you can always make a difference because all you have to do is take time to care. And for all of us that have a platform and had God-given tools to play a game that we love, there should be a responsibility for us to help our neighbors, to help those that are less fortunate, even if it's just a kind word for helping somebody open the door. How are you doing? You know, for a lot of these kids that are in wheelchairs, if you don't go by and acknowledge them, they feel like it's another day in their life where they were invisible and they feel left out. So it's been a blessing. I've learned a lot from these kids. These kids have all had an impact um, through the generosity of the, like the Jets and people around the country and uh, especially up here in the tri-state area. We've been able to help over 8,000 families. We've raised over $35 million, and we now operate in 13 states. So it's a little bit more than the game of football. It makes you understand that that game is simply a game. Absolutely, and it's an important message and a great cause, certainly, Marty. Check it out, martylionsfoundation.org, and the book is called If These Walls Could Talk. You could get it there. Marty will sign a copy, send it to you, and also anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you name it, and all the proceeds are going to go towards Marty's foundation, an outstanding cause, and certainly the way 2020 has gone, Marty, I don't have to tell you, but these are challenging times for everybody in the world, and you know, given what the struggles that a lot of these kids and families have to go through, that just compounds matters. So great job, as always, what you're doing with the foundation. Continued success with all of that. And we appreciate you joining us here on Inside the Jets, as always. And I you, you got it, Dan. I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity. And, you know, just so people know, Bart is a good guy. He does <laughs> a lot of things in the community that gets swept underneath the rug. And so does Greg Buttle. Well, Greg Buttle, you know what? He, he, he wants everybody to think he's a turtle <laughs> with that hard shell. But he really has a kind heart. So I thank everybody. I thank my teammates in Jets organization. You know, they didn't have to support me for 38 years, but they have.
one big family. It's what it is, right, Bart? Absolutely. And Marty, I want to personally thank you because, like we always say, it's not about how much money you, and, and, and material things that you get in life. It's about impact. You've impacted so many children, so many families. You've personally impacted me and my charity. You'll donate in the turf so that I can pr provide an opportunity for, for athletes and people who can't afford training to be able to have training. So I thank you on behalf of my foundation as well. And thank you so much for being an inspiration in my life. You got it, Bart. I appreciate the kind words. Thanks a lot, Marty. We'll talk to you again on Thursday. Thanks, Marty Lyons, for joining us. Still a lot more to come here on Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Welcome back to Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Dan Grasso alongside Bart Scott. And remember, Jets fans, you can watch Inside the Jets through the Jets app, presented by BetMGM. Go to the App Store or Google Play right now and search official New York Jets. Got some good news on the injury front from Coach Adam Gase on Monday. Makai Becton, who, remember, left the game late in the first half on Sunday, and, you know, the mood wasn't overly positive right. about what the results were potentially going to be with him. He left with a shoulder injury. Remember, he was limited during the week because of the shoulder as well. And, you know, Thursday looked like it would probably be out of the question because of the quick turnaround. Why rush him back? But... Coach Gay said that the MRI turned up better than they expected. They were a little bit more pessimistic. So good news on the Makai Becton front. We know how valuable a member of this team he has been thus far, Barton. Still don't know if he's going to be able to play Thursday, but certainly to get the good news is better than the alternative. Yeah, I mean, because he's a, he's a young player. You want to protect him from himself. But, you know, if he can go, you want him to go because he does so much for your offensive line. He really has been an outstanding player for them, being able to protect the blind side of Sam Darnold. And that allows you to provide help where, where needed on the other line, whether it's releasing people out or helping people, you know, that has leakage within the, within the offensive line. You know, but, you know, it's a short week. It's, it's an opportunity for him, if he can go, to be able to go, knowing that he's going to have a mini buy to be able to recover. But it, by no means necessary do you ever want to put him at harm's risk. He's too young. He's too valuable. He has too bright of a future. But, I mean, you can feel the difference when he's out there. You know, you, we saw – you know, the, the sack that went for a safety in the end zone. I think with, with, with Makai out there, that was a non-starter for Justin Houston. Right. Nobody was happier that Makai had left the left the, left the, left the sideline. He swallows line. you up on yeah. the film. He You it's disappear. Like, it's like, yeah, go ahead, bull rush me. Yeah, good, good luck with that. Yeah. All right, go Bobby. Okay, well, I'm, my feet's back here and my, my wingspan's, you know, the same length as Bobo. You know what I mean? So you know, try and get into me if you want to. I can punch you. And it's hard to get to his body because he's so long. And if he continues to play tall and play long like that, then he's going to play and dominate in this league for a long time. Who do you think – I mean, look, regardless of who's going to be out there on the field Thursday night, from a defensive standpoint, they're going to have to find a way to get some pressure on the quarterback. Now, we don't even know who the starting quarterback for the Broncos is going to be. Yeah. But yesterday, Phillip Rivers way too comfortable in that pocket. And when yeah. you give a guy like him who could be going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame when it's all said and done, he got all day to sit there and pick that defense apart. That's what he did. I know they're not 100%, but from a schematic standpoint, what do you think there's something that they could cook up Greg Williams and his staff to maybe generate some more heat on the QB? Well, we saw against San Francisco, we saw that Quentin Williams was able to get a lot of pressure, but that's because they were playing coverage on the back end. Understand that you're going against Jeff Driscoll. I don't know who else is going to back him up. Maybe Jeff Driscoll gets to start. He started last week, but he's a guy that shouldn't be able to hurt you with his arm. So you want to try and speed him up in this process. And sometimes you can give – 
you know, indications that, that, that maybe pressure is coming without actually bringing the pressure. And what I'm talking about is line stunts in between with the interior lineman, and he sees color flashing across his face. And plus that Denver O-line is not in the caliber of the Indianapolis Colts either. Let's remember that. Exactly. So you want to give your, you want to give your, your pass rushers an opportunity to prove that they can get pressure. And to, until they prove, they prove to you that they can't, you don't want to try and add the extra man because you don't want to give him easy throws, understanding that, okay, if I have pressure over here, I know I have you know, man-to-man, one-on-one coverage on the backside. They're going to prepare for the Greg Williams blitz packs. And I know it's one thing to prepare for it. It's another thing to have success against it. But he has to prove to me that he can make the throws without me pressuring because I feel like if I double everybody up because they don't have Sutton, they have, you know, Jerry Judy may be injured in this game. You don't know who they're going to have and how they're going to heal up. So I've been using say, Noah Fant a lot, the tight end, throwing to him a lot. Right. Yeah. So, I, so, I mean, Noah Fant, you double him and take him away. Say, if we're going to lose this game, it's going to be because somebody that we didn't prepare for or somebody where we feel we have the advantage. If, but if you go out and you give them easy throws because you're, you know, blitzing corners and people are wide open, then you help him out. Make him prove that he's worth trying to heat up and speed up the process and give you guys a chance. Well, let's hear from a member of that defense, second-year cornerback Bless on Austin from Rutgers with team reporter Olivia Landis. Team reporter Olivia Landis here with cornerback Bless Austin. Bless, a tough start for the Jets in this game versus the Colts. Started out with a pick six. How difficult is that for a team, and what kind of position does that put the team in to start out behind seven points immediately? I mean, you definitely can't start games like that in this league. I mean, everybody's just too, you know, they're too good. So, you know, when you come out and you start like that, it kind of puts you in a hole a little bit. Now, you know, there's been times that happened, you know, in the history of the league, and the other team was still able to overcome it. So, if anything ever goes down like that, we got to be able to bounce back still. Because, you know, it's never, never, it's never perfect. So, you got to be able to bounce back from that still. Speaking of being able to bounce back, when you think about the defensive side of the ball, how exactly can you guys take steps in limiting some of those explosive plays that end up leading to those larger deficits? I mean, the answer is pretty simple. We just got to keep going to work. I know I know something that said, you know, we got the week, but it's because that's just what it is. We got to keep going to work and, you know, getting quality reps, you know, over quantity. You know, it's all about quality. You know, guys just, you know, we can't just think because we're out there for a long time, we're, we're making strides. We got to, you know, pay attention to every rep and make sure we technically sound and we detail. How confident are you as a whole that this defense is taking those quality reps and taking the steps to improve? I'm very confident. You know, we made strides from last week. Of course, it didn't, you know, help us in the, in the, in the bigger picture of things and being victorious. But, you know, there was small strides made and not to have more victories, but there was there was improvement, which means that now, Guys are just starting to put a little different extra attention in to the detail and the technical things of the scheme. So we just got to keep putting, putting our foot on the gas and going at it. Bless, what are some of those small strides that you believe the defense has taken in recent weeks? Um, improving our tackling, no doubt. You know, uh, beginning of the season, that was something, you know, with everything going on, you know, that was something we, we kind of need to clean up on. And then just being in our spots and certain, you know, coverages that we run, just being in the spot where you're supposed to be and just understand the situation in the game as a whole defense. Bless, thank you so so much for your time. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Olivia, and thanks a lot to Bless Austin for joining us as well. And our player guest segment is presented by EY, building a better working world. We didn't really spend too much time. We got into a little bit there when we had Marty on Sam Darnold. 
his performances here. You know, he had the three interceptions. Two of them went the other way here. You know, I asked Marty, is it doing too much? Is it a misread? Uh, you know, Coach Gay said today that maybe there was some miscommunication. Cager maybe broke off the route a little soon on that first interception. The other two he put on the quarterback. Is it disturbing and troubling to you that you're seeing these mistakes from a guy who's in his third year and maybe should be past that? Well, not the mistakes. Is he's trying to make a play. You have to consider who's he, who is he throwing to, right? I mean, we told you that uh, Braxton Berrios was going to be your leading receiver and your go-to guy. We would say what happened to all the rest of the receivers. Not, not a knock on him, but he wasn't in the game plans to be countered on to this magnitude. So you think about that's a lot more on Sam's shoulders. He has to understand he has to take what the defense gives him and understand that punting is a good thing. You know, the Jets are in a position where they don't have the depth of talent that they need right, right. now. So you have to play the game within the game. And the game is we won't beat ourselves. And most games in this league aren't won. They're lost, right? And, and, and usually people press or they make mistakes. And if you make sure that you can play clean games, you give yourself a great opportunity to win it. And Sam giving the ball away is – limited the possessions which puts more pressure on itself to try and make plays down the field so it's like a snowball effect so if he just plays within himself i mean you went out and you drafted the punter let him do his job and flip the field for you and hope that this defense can get get you know get somebody off the field three and out that's considered a turnover put you on the short field give you opportunity punts and field goals are good things and shorthanded like they are playing that way under man every mistake is going to be magnified exactly. and i think that you've seen that certainly over the first three weeks of the season. Coming up, we will go around the NFL when we return to Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Welcome back to Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Dan Grasso alongside Bart Scott. Pretty good Monday night football game, I would say. It's kind of like an AFC championship game preview, Chiefs-Ravens. Baltimore, to me, looks better than they did even last year. KC got away with one, I think, last week against the Chargers. This is going to be a fun one tonight in Baltimore. It'd be great if there was a packed house, really add some atmosphere. Yeah. But right now, these are the two teams to beat in the conference. Well, you think about two teams with you know Super Bowl aspirations, of course, the defending champs, but the Baltimore Ravens have yet to win a playoff game under Lamar Jackson. He seems like he's possessed and really you know locked in on being able to, to take the next step in his career. He understands that this, his window for this team is right now. I mean, how great is this that the NFL has two young stars yep. so early in the process that's going to be a rivalry, then you add Deshaun Watson into it, then you still have the old Wiley veteran, you know, and, and, and Russell Wilson, who's considered the old man. But then you still have the grizzled veterans like Ben Roethlisberger coming back with these comeback stories. And then Tom Brady trying to win one as he rides off into the sunset. You know, we, we're set up for a tremendous, you know, um, you know, game tonight. You think about these two teams. Had We thought they had reservations last year, but then – Playing the role of the Denver Nuggets was the Tennessee Titans. And they came in and they, they bludgeoned, you know, the Baltimore Ravens. They ran up and down the field on them. And the Baltimore Ravens never forgot that. And they went out and they got reinforcements so that they can prepare themselves for that type of matchup but still have the skill position players to be able to match up for the track meet that's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. You talk about, you know, Baltimore went out and they prepared themselves going to get Marcus Peters, having Jimmy Smith and bringing him back, but also Marlon Humphreys. You talk about two of the top – you know, lockdown corners in the game. You have to say it's Peters. You have to say that it's Marlon Humphreys, who was an all-pro last year, to match up with Tariq Hill, Harmon, you know, Travis Kelsey. And then you go out, and how, how great is this going to be? Two teammates 
that's coming in, you know, one on a Super Bowl team and, you know, the Super Bowl champions from the year before, but then also one, you know, with a team that has Super Bowl aspirations and Patrick Queen yep. versus uh, Clyde Edwards and Lair. And you think they were going against each other in those drills one-on-one. So I think you have great stories all around. You got the Super Bowl MVP versus the last year reigning MVP. And it's going to be fireworks, you know, and we're going to see like if that Kansas City defense can keep up with the maturation and the evolution of Lamar Jackson because it looks like he's making more plays from the pocket and not just relying on his legs. And, you know, you look at the rest of the AFC here for the first few weeks of the season. You know, you mentioned Ben back with the Steelers. They're 3-0. and Tennessee, the Denver Nuggets, they picked up right where they left off. They're 3-0. and Steven Goskowski, six for six field goals <laughs> yesterday to boot them through to victory. And then you got Buffalo, who we saw in week number one. Think about that. They had a 28-3 to lead, blew it, and then still found a way to come back and steal that game at the end. They're 3-0. and Josh Allen playing it. Was it pass interference? Phantom pass interference. <laughs> I mean, swallow the flag, swallow the whistle in that situation, especially that late in the game, right? Let the players decide yeah. it. Right. I mean, I mean, it, it was one of those things where he impeded his progress. I can understand where it went. I think, they were I don't both think it fighting been, a little it bit. It should have been pass interference. should have been legal contact. But, you know, you have to be able to be a high decision, um, a high percentage decision maker in those tight, you know, tight sessions. And we're starting to see, like, I mean, who thought that t- the Texans would be, you know, would be 0-3? Who thought that the Atlanta Falcons would be 0-3? How can, <sighs> can Atlanta create any more ways to lose a football game? I mean, I, I, I don't recognize. Fall behind it. Atlanta by two touchdowns late in the game. You got them right where you want them. And da- I'll tell you what, Dallas. Dallas can very well be 0-3, Easy. and they have problems on that team, you know, with, 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 with defense and being able to stop people. So let's see, you know, Earl Thomas still floating around. There's been reports that he's going to visit the Texans. He may need to stay in the same state, but go back home to Dallas. And we got our first quarterback change here. You mentioned the Falcons. Nick Foles came off he the lives. bench to lead the birth. Nick Foles is the new starter. Matt Nagy announced that what earlier happened? today. Was he, was he trying to wear the visor because he didn't want to see people how disinterested <laughs> he was? And he was like, oh, crap, I'm playing. Take these off. I need to see. It's incredible. But, I mean, good for him that he's – look, he has a familiarity with that system from their days together back in KC. So, it goes hand-in-hand hand with what he ran there in Philadelphia as well. And Russell Wilson was pretty good against the Cowboys, right? Five touchdowns. I mean, uh, it, it, it's pretty good. It's amazing that he hasn't received MVP vote or consideration. He'll get one this year. You know, he'll get he it keeps this, this year. Up. But I tell you what, you never know. Coming down to the wire, if Lamar Jackson continues to play at a high level, if you know, you know, Mahomes is always a threat to win another MVP. And then old man Winter starting to try, trying to, to come into shape. Now, as you see this offense, Grunk's getting involved. You see Tom Brady. You know, it, it looked like a mess at the beginning of the season. But then Breeze is a concern with the fact that he's not pushing the ball down the field. Is he exposed a little bit without, you know, Michael Thomas? Michael Thomas, they and miss then, him. And then, of course, the baddest man on the planet, Aaron Rodgers, looks like he didn't need any stinking receivers. Definitely not. <laughs> We're back in action Thursday night against the Denver Broncos. Hopefully the Jets could break into the win column. He's Bart Scott. I'm Dan Grassa. This has been Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Enjoy the game, everybody.